friends. I'm Emma. And I'm Morgan. And we're hosts of Tea in a Good Book, a fun read-along podcast for all your book and tea lovers out there. So go grab a cup of tea and join our little book club. This is going to be an episode about Turtles All the Way Down by John Green. And we will be reading through this whole thing for this episode. All right. And just a big fair warning, there will be spoilers for the whole book and potentially spoilers for a couple other of John Green's books as well. You have been warned. So Emma, what kind of tea are you drinking tonight? I, once again, am just hanging out here with my lovely cup of water. Big mood. Stay okay. hydrated. What about you, Morgan? Uh, I was drinking a matcha smoothie with boba earlier <laughs> while I was finishing reading the book, so I'm gonna say that that's what I'm drinking. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Let's get into it. Yep. So. I guess we should probably put a trigger warning because I just realized we should. Oh, yeah. Hey, trigger warning. Um, This book talks a lot about mental health. Also, like, trigger warning, like, death. Yeah. Talks a lot about death. Death. About... Yeah. Yeah, this I I think just big trigger warning, it deals a lot with mental health. Yeah. In regards to death, any like just about anything. This is if if this is something that's gonna be upsetting, please don't feel free to skip this episode. We will not be offended. Yeah. And for everyone else. It's it's still a good book. It's though. a it's an amazing book. I will say I feel like the back of it like reading the back it doesn't really you don't really get the idea that it's going to be so focused on mental health i feel like i was thinking about this the other day i feel like john green has a lot of books like that where all of his books have a lot of layers to them and a lot of things that happen in this short span of pages but people tend to boil them down to like one thing yeah so i feel like it's very fitting for how people view, like, people look like, for example, like, Fault in Our Stars, and be like, oh, yes, it's about teenagers, like, kissing and they have cancer. I'm like, yes, but there's, like, there's so much more that happens in that book, and so much of, like, that one may not be the best example, but, like, so many of his books are, like, so, there's so much that happens in that. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, mental health is a big part in a lot of his books, but we'll get to that later. Yes. But I definitely feel like this one, at least the back, at least when I read the back, I was like, oh, okay, we're gonna get kind of like, almost like a Paper Towns kind of vibe. I was really expecting it to be a bit more of a mystery, but the mystery wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I loved it. Yeah, the one person on the back of my book, it probably says it on the back of yours too, um, from the San Francisco Chronicle. Green finds a way to describe the indescribable, the particular pain that accompanies mental illness through his remarkable narrator, Aza Holmes, a must-read for those struggling with mental illness or for their friends and family. I think that that really describes this book. Yeah. Really, really well. Yeah, I mean, since we're talking about, like, mental health stuff, might as well get... Yeah, it's... They were... So I don't have the same, like, OCD, um compulsions that she has Mm -hmm. but there are so many moments in the book like she definitely like 
there's specifically I forget what chapter it's in but she is dissociating and she's writing about like how she experiences dissociating and I as someone who commonly experiences dissociating I've never found a good way to like describe it to people yeah and now I'm literally just gonna like make people read that chunk of the book and be like it's because people are like oh I zone out all the time I'm like it's not the same thing it's like (laughs) I, like, even once I'm interacting with people, I don't come back. Yeah. It's, and, like, the very, the anxiety spiral of, like, the going in and in and in on yourself, I also very much related to. I mean, because I'm pretty neurotypical compared to a lot of people, at least, or at least a lot of people that I interact with. Um, But, like, and I don't get as bad anxiety, especially now that I'm a little bit older, but, um, when I was younger, a couple of years ago, I used to get really bad. Last year, I got a lot of anxiety. I'm a nose, but, mm-hmm. um, like, it definitely, <laughs> it really does describe, like, attacks really, really well, yeah. and how it feels, like, it, he, the way he writes it, it, do- he doesn't write it where it's, how you feel physically because I feel like everybody knows what like an anxiety or a panic attack looks like physically like you're hyperventilating people are sweating like a lot of them are just like at least for me like I'm curled up in a ball and I cannot breathe um but I think a lot of people don't realize what happens in the mind yeah and he does an incredible job with that and like the inner dialogue between Aza Aza I'm we I'm not sure how to say her name. I was leaning towards Azza, but I'm not sure. I go between the both. Sorry if we go between both. <laughs> it's never really said. Um, Holmesy. Yeah. As Daisy loves to call her. Um, but I love the inner dialogue because that is so accurate. Yeah. That is so eerily accurate, at least to what happens in my mind whenever I'm having an anxiety attack. So I just yeah. I really, really appreciated that. I, just the way everything, it's very much a mental health book that's been written by someone who struggles with mental health issues. Yeah. Which is so refreshing. I'm so sick of reading things where it's like, oh, I have anxiety. I am going to cry in a court. Or it's like, it's very much like written by someone who's never experienced like mental health issues. Like John Green it's just a profoundly wonderful writer. I think in the back of his book, too, um, it actually has a conversation with him. And um, he talks about how writing this book was a little bit difficult for him because he um, he really tried to take his experiences um, with anxiety and OCD and um, putting it into this, but still making it far enough from what he himself has actually experienced so um i really appreciated that and my comment that i mentioned to you earlier um that i was gonna say that i was gonna say for the podcast is this is mental illness written correctly yes we have read another book that it was not written (laughs) very well and i mean granted this book is more about that Ooh, that was my hip um is more about the actual mental illness than the other one was, but um, it, I think he did just a fantastic job with it. And we were kind of talking about it earlier before the podcast, 
but he also does an incredible job with writing about grief for both um Aza, Aza, and Davis. Yeah. Um, as somebody who has experienced some major grief in their lifetime, um, especially in this past year. Granted, I'm not at the point where, you know, Aza lost her father eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think it's actually ever said when Davis lost his mom. But um, I think they say it's roughly within the same year because they have their first year at SAD camp together. Yeah, so probably. But like... I'm not at that point in my life quite yet. I It hasn't been eight years. It's only been a year and a half for me. But um, the way he describes their grief and I think also the way he describes how everybody else acts around them whenever it's kind of brought up was also written perfectly because that is absolutely what happens is people do get very awkward about it. Um, and they both deal with it so differently too like it seems like Noah and Davis just kind of don't want to think about it don't want to deal with it at all which is something I have seen within my family personally and then there's people like Aza who it like she holds on to everything the car the phone and like that's something that's so real and so understandable and something that I definitely would have experienced like I keep my stepdad's old shirts because they bring me like a lot of comfort um or there's other people who are also like me who just make jokes (laughs) (laughs) the endless dead parent jokes Emma has heard too many of them (laughs) I think you're, I've, like, unfazed by them by It's this okay. Point. I've started telling them, and you love them, so... I do. I love a good dead parent joke. <laughs> it's so bad, but, like, it it, it does make my grie- grief personally more bearable, but for some people, it's doesn't make the, it more bearable. And um, I think that that was a great thing that John Green did, is how these two kids, three kids technically, because Noah included, how they all... Um, experience grief differently yeah and how you could also see throughout the book too how noah and davis are also grieving over their father since they don't actually know what's going on with him and they both also they both grieve for both their parents differently yeah because like noah kind of just since he doesn't really remember his mom he doesn't really grieve her as much as davis does but he heavily grieves his father meanwhile davis isn't as much which is also a total like one of my other friend just lost her parent but um and she made this statement in her facebook post about it about being the strong one in the family and i think davis is kind of trying to take that role where it's like you kind of you don't want to make it seem like it's affecting you nearly as much as it is yeah um i definitely I know that role. I kind of played that role, but, um, sorry if you couldn't hear that. Ha 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 ha. Um, (laughs) but it's, uh, it's, I really do love that, that how well John Green written grieving because now, like, since I've been through this as well, sorry, this is a really long rant about grief, (laughs) but, um, like now that I've experienced it, it is really fun, like, watching movies or shows or reading books and it being, like, so off and not, like, it's, like, that's not how people grieve at all. Like, even though everybody has different ways of grieving, like, 
some of them, like, they'll show, like, like, for example, one of the books we read recently, how it's, like, they're over it in a day. It's, like, no, that's not how that works. (laughs) This lasts and lives with you for, like, the rest of your life. And since Aza and I both lost our father figure in the same way, like, in such a traumatic and quick way, like... it sticking with you for so long makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah. anyways, end grieving rant unless I come up with anything yeah. else. But I want to go on a mental health rant. But first, I just need to talk about I hate Daisy so much. I actually like Daisy. I okay, like I just okay, like I understand her concerns with Asa and like they're fully justified i feel like she doesn't handle them very well and also she doesn't recognize that she is also entirely full of herself oh yeah no she is but i do think that it's an important thing although daisy she absolutely shouldn't have written about um aza in that in her fan fiction i do think that it's something important that people need to remember that you're allowed to be upset with your friends yeah and not all of your friends are going to understand um you know, like your mental illness, you know, your friends don't live inside you. Yeah. And, you know, it seems at least, it seems like Aza doesn't talk about it much, especially with her um, therapist, like even her therapist, she has trouble talking with. So, you know, granted, she definitely shouldn't have written about her in her fan fiction, but I think that it is really hard to talk about or like, vent about your friends if something's really bothering you like sometimes it is hard to go up to them because it's like well I don't want to make things worse but I need to vent about this yeah so but the the, yeah there are healthy ways and unhealthy ways to deal with issues with friends and this is she does not know healthy ways to deal with yeah I mean granted she is also 16 she is and this is something that a 16 year old would do but that's true I I think that he did a great job with her and she's a very well-written character. I just don't I, like her. <laughs> I actually like her. I think I think it's just because I'm not that I've been in her position, but like because I'm a pretty much neurotypical person and I have so many like neurodivergent friends, like I understand her like position and like where she's at with that. So cuz sometimes you just don't know how to handle some things. Yeah. So And, you know, we don't, also, we don't know anything about, I mean, we kind of know her background, but we don't know a ton. And it sounds like Daisy is, like, Daisy is only friends with Michael and Aza. So it's understandable where she kind of went to her writing as a way to express her anger. Because I've done that with my art. Like, I've expressed my anger through my art like I have a huge piece next to you about some former friends of mine (laughs) so and while they're not very clear and obvious as Daisy did it but uh you know I understand Daisy's perspective and I don't hate her for it because I think it's a very human mistake that's true I think because also like I definitely I relate more to Aza but I've also like look like no, I'm thinking about it. I've definitely done the exact... Like, I, I didn't write fan fiction about people I was having issues with. Um, instead, I wrote po- uh, poetry that got published in an actual physical book. Ah! So, 
it's very metaphorical and like the people read it and had no clue what I was talking about. But yeah. I mean, she definitely made it obvious, but I think also in her defense on this one, Aza didn't read the fan fiction. She That's never true. did. She would have known years before if she Yeah, had. and Davis had Davis not mentioned that you're kind of in them, like she would have never known. Yeah, she never she, would have read them. Yeah, she never would have read them. So like that's another thing where I'm like, okay, like that kind of makes sense in Daisy's part. And since she's such a popular like writer online, like fan fiction writer, um <laughs> as popular as you could get, honestly, <laughs> with fan fiction. But um I know that it's sometimes hard to kill off a character that might be so well liked. Yeah. I mean I'm also kind of curious about how good her writing was as a 7th grader, if she's that freaking popular. <laughs> but... Because I... <laughs> I was not a good writer at seven, 7th grade. Oh, no. But, yeah, I didn't... I didn't hate her character because I related to her character the most out of everybody. That makes sense. So, it, which is ironic because there's, like, Davis who... <laughs> there's characters that I could have related to more, but I think... There's a lot of ways where Daisy and I kind of had relatively similar, like, upbringings. So, I don't know. That makes That's sense. my personal rant. I had a feeling that you weren't going to like Daisy. I was like, I, ooh, you're not going to like Daisy. I don't like... Also, like, just... She's very inconsiderate. She doesn't see her inconsiderateness. And, like... Yeah. I think it's... Just, she, she also... Like, I get that it's... I know it's very hard... To be friends with someone with mental illness. Like, I get that. Yeah. But, like, when there's... Like, the whole money thing where she's like, they told you to wait six months before you do a big purchase, and she didn't wait a day. And it's, like... I... I, Coming from my background... I get... If I had come into that kind of money when I was 16, I would do the same thing. I, like, no hesitation. That's another thing where I was, like... Her background and her doing that does make sense. You know, like, it, it, yeah, it kind of sucks that she did exactly what she wasn't supposed to do, um, but honestly, like, even now, if I came into that kind of money, because I don't get a ton of financial support from some of my family members, so if I came into that kind of money, and somebody told me to wait a bunch of months, I'd be like, uh, no, I want to make my purchases now, like. You see, I, I understand that, like, I understand being like, no, I need to, like, do this now, it's the, when someone, the person who is tied to you in this gets concerned about, like, safety because you did the, you broke the one rule. Yeah. Just writing them off of me, like, well, you don't understand my struggles. It's like, okay, but also, you need to, like, or it's, like, not wanting to, like, understand where it's, like, hey, this is, like, an actual, this could be an actual problem. Yeah. Like, Yeah. It, which is understandable, but I think that Aza was also a little bit, like, not unreasonable, but I think that Aza should have been a bit more considerate yeah. of her upbringing and what Daisy was going through, too. Yeah. And I think that her fight with Daisy also was magnificent. Yeah. <laughs> Magnificently written. And Aza, like, realizing that, or Daisy kind of calling her out and being like, hey, you're not doing this for me, but I'm trying really hard. And I think Daisy also, that was a great time for Daisy, realizing that she's going through a lot. And at that point in the book, too, Aza was, like, 
really not no not healthy. She had already started drinking hand sanitizer. Like she was yeah. she was not healthy at that point. So and of course like Daisy probably didn't realize how bad it was because she wasn't with her in the bathroom and she wasn't yeah. seeing her as much because she was still with Michael at the time. And also so, the longer you are around the same person who has mental health issues the longer you, or the more you become desensitized to like, oh, this isn't a big deal. We've been through this before. So yeah. you don't realize as quickly, oh no, this one was a big deal. Yeah. Especially, I think the big thing too is because she had been desensitized to it and she hadn't seen Aza. And I think this was like Aza's big, just like, just downhill. Yeah. And what it seems like the first like big downhill that she had. Um, at least in their friendship, like, that, of course, Daisy's not gonna know what to do. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of times where, as a neurotypical person, there's sometimes I just, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. It's like, I don't understand. I will try my best, but yeah. I can't promise that I'm gonna help because I'm not, I I don't understand quite as well as Which is somebody else might. Understandable, and honestly, as someone who is very neurodivergent um if i'm coming to my friends for help you've also been great about this i'm not looking for help i'm looking more for like comfort yeah and that's another thing because everybody does also need something different yeah and this is something i've talked about with another one of my a couple of my friends about um is how certain people want comfort and some certain people want like um I was about to say desertion, and that's not no. all the word that I was... Uh, distraction. Yeah. Um, and some people, like, are looking for something else, or maybe a mix. So, um, I think that that's another thing that, obviously, Daisy needs to learn. And me, as a neurotypical person, needs to learn. And I'm sure a lot of neuro neurotypical people need to learn. But, uh, please also be patient with us, because we're yeah. learning. We yeah. don't know it nearly as well as a neurodivergent person would. So, we're learning and we're trying, for the most part. <laughs> I can't say that for everybody. <laughs> yeah. But the ones who are learning and trying, we're trying our best. We can't promise perfection, but mm. we're trying. Because we obviously don't understand it quite as well. So, yeah. But, yeah, I... Yeah, I... I very much vibed with Daisy... And I had a feeling that you were going to vibe with Asa, so... Oh, yeah, the... Are you kidding? The person who, like... I don't outwardly call myself crazy anymore, but, like, I definitely feel it a lot of the times. So. Oh, yeah. She definitely called herself crazy a lot. A lot. In, like, a way that I definitely did when I was her age. I don't as much because I recognize it's very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, from going to therapy. Yeah. Uh, I was, like... Like, at her age... I wasn't even in therapy yet. Yeah. I was very scared of therapy still. It was very much um, something that I had seen through, like, a societal lens of, like, ooh, therapy is where crazy people go. Yeah. So, like, that's bad. So, like... Um, Which I'm glad that that's starting to change. Me too. Thank I'm God. Glad. I also, if you're a person who, like, makes some people, like, oh, you're going to therapy, you're a special self, they like, screw you. <laughs> I will personally, like, not, I won't make threats at people through a podcast. I I will come and deck you myself, dang cool. it. <laughs> I, like... I might not know how to throw a punch, but I will learn. 
like, you don't realize how many people have issues and are so scared to seek the help that they desperately need. Yeah. Like, yeah, and, like, I'm gonna start with my, I shared this with Morgan, um, so there have been three John Green books in my life that I've read, I've read quite a few John Green books, but three of them have, like, caused me to, like, have this, like, deep introspective that led to, like, a crisis, like, all in, like, relation to, like, my mental health, but not necessarily in a bad way. Like, um, I'll start with the first book that did this, which was The Fault in Our Stars. I brought it with me. I, I'm not gonna get into the whole, I was telling Morgan a story about this book, I'm not gonna get into that, but I, specifically, this is a different story. The first time I read this book, um, I was in eighth grade, and so the opening paragraph reads, Late in the winter of my 17th year, my mother decided I was depressed, presumably because I rarely left the house, spent quite a lot of time in bed, read the same book over and over, ate infrequently, and devoted quite a bit of my abundant uh, free time to thinking about death. I grew up in a household where mental health was not something you talked about. Like, some talk about someone who's depressed was, you like, they, my parents would use the same voice that they talked about, like, a serial killer who, like, murdered their entire family and burned down their house. Which is not the same thing. No. And so when I was having these feelings, I didn't know what they were. And so the first time I learned what depression was and that the feelings I was having had a name was in the first paragraph of The Fault in Our Stars. And so that was a whole thing for me. That's probably why I like this book so much. Yeah, that's understandable. But yeah, that was... The first time. The second time was, it was less of a crisis, more of a comfort, but it, it came to me in a crisis. Um, I was reading An Abundance of Catherines, where the main character is trying to cope with the fact that he grew up being a gifted child, and now has reached a point where all of his peers are the exact same level of, like, intelligence as he is, but they expect him to be smart, and, like, dealing with those expectations. And I was going through, most people who are gifted kids um, that I've encountered deal with that like when they go to college which is when he's dealing with this i was dealing with that when i went to high school um big mood and like i like for example i so they found out i was really really good at reading when i was in second grade and then i the last time i learned anything like reading grammar wise was third grade and then like I, i learned nothing new from then until i hit high school and i didn't know how to learn and it was, I was having to learn how to learn, um, and, like, learn the material, um, all in, like, an honors English class. Okay. Continue talking. I'm gonna yeah. open the door because my cat's no screaming. Problem. I just... I will still be able to And, like, you. the comfort that I felt, um, from knowing I wasn't alone in that struggle was, like, there was a lot of comfort in, like, it's, it's scary having the thoughts you think are your crazy person thoughts. <laughs> be like <laughs> I'm so Hi. sorry. Hello, I shouldn't have let her in. It's fine. We have a it's... special guest. She also wants to talk about mental health. I mean mental health matters. <laughs> like check in with your friends. Hi. Fascinating. She wants to say that I love it. Ooh, controversial. She also <laughs> wants you to know that uh if you haven't taken your meds yet today, please take your meds. Yes. Uh, that's another thing that I'll go in on yeah. after your rant. Um, and also, apparently, after Zora's. <laughs> yes. But, so, where was I? I was talking about this book, um, Bonus of Catherine's, and how... 
oh, the comfort. So it's comforting to know that you're not alone in these moments, but it's also so scary having, like, something you think is a thought that no one else has thought before. Um, like, and, like, you have that thought, and then you read it on a page of a massively published book. Yeah. And just, oh, wow. Like, this has happened three times in my life. The third time was with Turtles All the Way Down. <laughs> Specifically, it's not even a big moment in the book. Um, Asa shares with Davis the reason she started the Band-Aid thing, which was um, that she used to dig her nail into her finger to check to make sure that she was real. Mm-hmm. Which is something that I've done for years. I Like, not just my finger. I'll dig it into, like, any point of my hand. It's also a way that, like, I don't do it very hard anymore, but, like, it's a way that I, like, help myself when I'm feeling, like, anxious or something to, like, focus on something because the pain is something to focus on. But yeah, specifically, like, I would have moments of, like, dissociating and not knowing if I was real or not, and just, like, digging my fingernails into my hand to, like, be like, okay, I can feel this, therefore I am real. And, like, having some, like, I've never told anyone that. Shouldn't be saying that on the podcast, but, But... (laughs) you know, I've never told anyone, not even, like, my therapist that. And, like, having, reading someone else say that, Oh, I, I went through a whole, like, I had to put down the book and, like, I went through a whole, like, spiral of, like, mental (laughs) things where I'm like, oh, gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Not to bring you into another spiral, but at least to me, as somebody who has personally self-harmed, that also seems like a very, like, self-harming way of going about things. It's not the best way to go about things. It's not. I definitely recommend that. Better than a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. There are... But yeah, definitely I think the way that she does it, it is is very it's very it's bad. Very good. It's very bad. I'm definitely not doing anything on like her level of like I like gently like her I, I like I do that to myself. Oh yeah, that's that's nothing. not bad. That's that it, <laughs> but, it like, used to be a lot hers, worse, but like this is like digging in and yeah. like I don't want to say forcing herself to bleed, but like it is. It it's pretty much forcing it's... herself to bleed and as somebody who has gone through that maybe not so much with my nails but with other certain objects um it definitely like it that did low-key strike a mini chord with me because i was like wow (laughs) the the crazy brain making you do like hurting things i was like ah yeah uh, yep (laughs) yeah i think there's a point towards the end of the book um where she was like this is something that's never gonna go away and like she was saying like she hadn't done it for a minute but it's something that was never gonna go away yeah and it's definitely at least in my position not something that went away quickly it i took its time and it's definitely something that at least in my experience has revisited the brain but we've pushed it down (laughs) and said shut up (laughs) I know that feeling. But yeah, the whole, like, I also know the know the struggle of, like, looking at something you do as, like, a neurodivergent person and going, I'm never going to have a time in my life where I'm not doing this. And, like, the spiral it sends you on. Mm-hmm. Like, she, on, another moment for me, I read this earlier today, I, I needed to finish the book, so I just powered through it. But, like, she's sitting, it's shortly after accident, she's going through, like, She's like, I'm never going to be able to have a job or move out of my house because I can't. Oh, my God. I have had that exact same I've spiral. I've had that same spiral. Of, like, the, 
I can't do anything because my brain won't let me. And, like, oh, that almost set me on a spiral today. Let me, I was yeah, not prepared one. to read. Again, I was not prepared to read my own innermost fears in John Green's book. Like, John Green, please stop reading my brains. Please stop <laughs> my thought. I understand that these are probably also, like, thoughts that he has thought. And I'm so sorry that you've gone through this, sir. I understand your feelings. But, like, oh, please stop doing that to me. <laughs> I was about to be like, jokes on all of us. You're actually John Green. Don't do <laughs> John Green is not alien. <laughs> I, okay. I also had this thought when I was reading this book. I feel like John Green and I would be really good friends, but we're both really introverted people who have mental health issues that we probably, like in theory, on paper, we'd be really good friends and get along really well. But neither of us would be able to, like, commit to a friendship, so we'd be, like, at most, like, vague acquaintances. Like, oh, I, like, it'd be like, oh, I met John Green, I love John Green, but, like, I would know nothing about him, he would know nothing about me. (laughs) So, John Green, if you ever hear this and you want to be vague acquaintances, please, reach out. I love your books. (laughs) I'm sorry about vague acquaintances. (laughs) This is really funny to me. It's a very accurate description. I feel like it's something John Green would use in a book. Yeah, I mean... I wonder if I'm just accidentally... I'm sure I'm accidentally stealing it from someone. Probably. I mean, as somebody who has a lot of vague acquaintances... (laughs) I feel like that's such a good, like... Term. Term. Because acquaintance, like, can be broad. Because acquaintance is, like, someone you wouldn't consider, like, a friend. But it could be someone that, like... Like, someone I consider an acquaintance, for example, is someone that, like... I may have, like, gone to elementary school with, like, through high school, but, like, we never talked to each other. Or, like, we talked to each other, like, a little bit and, like, know each other because we were in, like, proximity to each other. But never, like... like, a friend of a friend of a friend. Where, yeah. like, you met them twice at a party where it's like, oh, I know that name and that face. Yeah. Vaguely. Vague <laughs> Where I know this acquaintance a little bit more. Yeah. Like, a less corporeal version of an acquaintance. Yeah. See, it's funny because, like... <laughs> I would still call, like, an acquaintance a friend, and it's a really bad habit of mine, and I'm really trying to, like, not do that, because I just call everybody a friend, even if I literally don't remember their name, and just vaguely remember, like, a See, facial feature. I love that, and I have loved when people have done that, especially in a social situation where, like, I've met someone, like, maybe once, because I'm always uncomfortable in social situations, and someone goes, oh, this is my friend, like, oh, it makes fair. me feel better, where it's like, oh, I have a friend here. That's fair. I may have met this person five minutes ago, but this is my friend now. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I'm definitely one of those people. You know me. Yeah. I call everybody my friend, even if Which I literally, I like, haven't and said a word to you. I love that about you. It's great. <laughs> um, okay, so my other rant that I'm going to go off on. It, it's not really a rant, but more, not even really advice, but Aza and her medication. Yeah. If you are on medication, you need to be taking it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know, I think that it obviously wasn't working for her because she wasn't taking it. And I'm really glad that after the accident, her mom was like, I'm watching you take it. You are taking it. Yeah. I'm really glad that her mom really stepped up on that. I think her mom should have done that prior. Yeah. But I do think that it's... If you are on medication, you need to be taking your medication, especially if it's antibiotics, and take your full antibiotics. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that's a thing on the internet, that people save their antibiotics in case a friend needs it. No, no. you finish your antibiotics, dang it. That's really, really bad to not I finish will... your antibiotics, because your body builds immunity, and, like, 
Then you can't be on the same antibiotics. Yes, I will come and find you if you don't take your full I, antibiotics. Dang it! As I I get that because I I get the struggle she's having, but like you should fully take your meds. But like at her age, I mean I wasn't even therapy yet, but like the whole like having to take yeah. medication it makes you feel like a certified crazy person. But like definitely take meds because also you don't know if it works for you or not if you're not taking it. Because like if you yeah. take it for a while, it's like ooh, this is not working. You will find something that works for you. Yeah. They can change dosage. They can change medication. They can do, like, they can do all sorts of crazy things with medication. I know because I've, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I know. I literally just finished taking some antibiotics. Good for you. Thanks, skin. I'm but, sorry. like, I'm literally. <sighs> Y'all, can I get rid of my acne? Do you? Does anybody want some acne? <laughs> I don't think anyone wants no. some acne, but. But yeah. also, she talks about, like, her calm down pill with, like, the shape, and I knew the exact pill she was talking about, and I was like, that's mind-boggling. That's really mind-boggling. I was like, ah, I know exactly the thing that you're describing. I don't know if John Green did that intentionally. Probably. Probably. But I was like, I know the exact, I can picture it in my mind, I know the exact, um, yeah. Also, like, on the uh, topic of things that, like, <laughs> remind you of things, when she was... <laughs> When she was looking up Davis. <laughs> like, that is such a vibe. I, yeah, whenever I'm interested in somebody, I I do like to try to find their social media. That's fair. I need I, to know if they're a good person or not. Yeah. 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 Especially in this day and age. We've all lived through 2020. So chances are you'll find out very quickly what kind of person they are. Y- yeah. Unless you look at my social media. I-, I never post on social media, so. Yeah. But I'll just tell you the kind of person I am. But if you go onto my social media, you'll definitely know the kind of person I am. But apparently customers think that I'm not the person that I am. I'll get on. I'll That's... tell you about that after the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that was a funny interaction. Um, But yeah, no, I definitely... I felt that, and I loved Davis being like, you've been on my website for, like, 30 minutes. <laughs> I love that he's like, he's like, okay, thank, because he was like, I just, I was just say that, but I love the moment of him just being like, are, are you on my blog? <laughs> he's, she's like, you see, if I were her, I'd have been like, what? What blog? Yeah, Who? I would have been like, I don't know what, what a blog is. What? What? And what the, blog? Because I realized, like, it made sense his panic, like, okay, thank God, I don't want my cringy poetry on the news. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, and his... Okay, in his so it case, makes sense where he's like, sense. "Thank goodness, it's just my girlfriend." But I like it's such a mood though. As like a former Tumblr user, my worst fear is having my friends find my Tumblr. Not because I have anything bad posted on it, nothing bad about them. I'm just like, I just don't want you on there. As someone who has written more than her fair share of cringy poetry, <laughs> just stay away from it. Yeah, no. I I have trouble showing my friends the things that are published. <laughs> I, I was thinking about this also during this moment, about, like, the whole, like, being weird about... Because he talks about not wanting to share his poetry and, like, how uncomfortable it is. And it it's so uncomfortable because he talks about, like, it's, like, showing your... It's, wor- it's worse than being naked. Because, like, if you're naked in front of someone, they don't know what you're thinking. Yeah. They don't... They can't see in your mind. But poetry literally shows every inch of your soul. Oh, yeah. And... Like, and it's a weird phenomenon of, like, I've had a couple of my poems published in a couple different books, and no, you, I will absolutely not tell you what books they are, but, um, those, um, those books, like, 
I'm fine with the idea that strangers have read me, like, bearing my entire soul. Um, because they, that's all they know about me, whereas people who know me, um, especially... It's scary. Yeah, especially they're, like, they'll be, like, the more intense lines are usually veiled in metaphor, which they talk about, like, metaphor being invented for pain, which, oh, that makes too much sense. That does make but, way too much sense. Like, people who would know me would be able to understand a lot of those references like, a split second, or be like... Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely, I understand that feeling too, because at least for some of my art, I feel like it definitely bears what I'm feeling, and I feel like that goes for a lot of artists. Um, While it's not necessarily written down in words, sometimes you could just see it in the art. So, and sometimes it's just, sometimes it's just embarrassing. Not even like, there's any like hidden metaphor or anything about it. Sometimes it's just like, I just don't want to share this because I'm embarrassed by it. I have some cringy, cringy writing. Oh my gosh. I, I have s- some cringy art, man. <laughs> like, I know I showed you some of my writing, but I think I've only ever showed you, like, things that were, like, either published or, like, I submitted for, like, the chance to be published. Yeah, I think you've you've only shown me, like, a small handful of things. Yeah. It was, like, I think it was the things that have been published, and plus, I, I remember specifically I showed you one poem that I tried really hard to get published, and it did not which in my opinion it's my favorite poem that i've written so it's kind of fascinating but anyways i'm really grateful that none of my friends have read my like fan fiction not because any of them are in it it's just because i'm a really bad writer (laughs) although i think that might have changed because a certain individual uh found one of my old blogs where it does have my uh fan fiction on it i'm like I'm oh, sorry. Don't read it. <laughs> like, it's not good <laughs> at, at all. Uh, the f- 60 people who liked it on Tumblr might disagree, I guess, but if you're one of those 60 people, please disagree. <laughs> please. It's bad, I say, as if I wasn't, like, trying to finish it last week, <laughs> like, last year. What a vibe. Uh, yeah. Listen, I, like, I started it in senior year, I did not finish it, and I still desperately want to finish it, because I have an ending and everything, but I just, I never did. I feel bad. So, I think I've told you about this fanfiction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know the, the exact fanfiction you're talking yep. about. I haven't I just, read it, but you've told me about it. Good, don't read it. I won't. But it was a good, it was a good plot. <laughs> and I think it was, it was good for me. <laughs> It was definitely written for me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's all I've got. I think... Okay, no, I wanted to talk about, um, Davis's dad. Who does not deserve to have the same name as Davis. Yeah. Like, but just the entire... Tara? The, I, <laughs> his entire... is this, I hate that lizard. Yeah. Poor Davis, I hate that lizard. I hate that lizard. It's... Oh, yeah, no, that was, uh, that was a lot, um, I love his ending, Mm -hmm. I love that he's dead, (laughs) it sucks for Davis and Noah, of course, like, that's awful, and that's a really rough thing to have to go through, um, and I'm glad that, as the two of them, as brothers, decided to tip off the police, um, but, uh, yeah, the, uh, yeah, his, I want, if his dad was still alive, I would punch him. 
I thought it was fascinating that they said in the news thing that he had died after several days of the elements. I thought, based on the way it was described, that he had jumped. Yeah, that's what I assumed, I just fully assumed, based on, like, the smell and, like, everything, like, he fully just jumped. Like, he knew there was no way to escape this. He looked at all the things. Yeah. And then decided that he would jump at the place of his greatest failure versus he it seemed like he might have been leaving clues for someone who was supposed to come and get him yeah and uh oh he did yeah i i do personally i still think that it was uh he jumped i i that will not that's what i still think uh i think the news report was probably like trying to cover it up but because uh, that's what the news does, even now. But, um, yeah, I... Yeah. Which would also be another great... What mental health does to you if you don't take yeah good care of it. Yeah, like, no one is immune from having, like, mental health issues. Oh, yeah, no. And, like, absolutely it's, a, it's absolutely okay to have mental health issues. It's... And, oh, it's... It's, it's a very scary thing to struggle with. Believe me, I know. But, like... <laughs> I was flipping through my notes and uh, at the beginning of the book when um, she's watching TV with her mom and it, they're all like, it's a TV show about time-traveling crime solvers. I was like, Doctor Who? Because <laughs> it's Doctor Who. Okay, another thing, because this was also just reminded me, um, more on a like author thing and writing note and not so much about the actual plot, I love that he keeps going between first and second person. Yeah. I loved that. I don't think, like, I didn't really catch it until she, I think it's chapter 20. It's just two pages, and it's fully in second person, where it's, he's, you are the person in the book, and you are Aza. Yeah. Aza. Um, Aza, But I loved how he kind of, he would go back and forth between that i he did a great job with that as someone who like fully like that's very much a coping mechanism that i learned in therapy for like especially when you're starting with mental health things pro tip it can be really hard to say things like i am capable of this or like i am like this so but saying you and like acting like not that you're two different people but like you're talking to someone else who is yourself yeah can be weirdly reassuring. I was gonna say it's, it's like almost you're like you're saying advice. it to your a mirror of yeah, yourself. Kind of. It's like you're saying it it's like you're giving and receiving the advice that you need. Yeah. And it's um for me it's always hard to switch out of that because like the next step, or at least in my therapy, is to switch to being able to say the I and that's always where I get stuck. But that's another topic. Fair. But <laughs> it comes with time. Yeah. Exactly. Um but yeah, I think that, that him doing that it's, was great and it really also like describes like the not describes but like puts more introspect I don't know I'm not a thesaurus but um it puts like it it's another great way of showing like the spiral and what yeah. I'm assuming is what it feels like to dissociate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the dissociation so. here is too real. Also, like, I loved that in, like, in her, like, worst moment where she's in the hospital and, like, getting 
and like go uh, like trying to fight her brain to not go drink the hand sanitizer um it's like that tactic is like turned around against her by her brain because yeah. like your brain is your brain like you're not going to know anything that your brain doesn't know yeah so this is not like a, oh you this is going to trick your brain because you know it. it's like you know the trick so you know your brain knows the trick yeah like all the like oh life hack you're gonna trick your brain it never works yeah it that's so like you knowing a coping mechanism and having it like turned against you by your own brain is just oh it was too like i i've never had the same like compulsion issues that she's had um which i feel like that scene would have been too much for me to finish the book if i had yeah (laughs) but like it was just oh like my my heart broke so many times. Anytime she talked, like, she was, like, swallowing hand sanitizer, I, my heart was breaking. Because I'm, like, I know what it's like to have, like, the mental health things that, like, control you. Yeah. And it's not in the same way. But, yeah. Yeah. It was interesting, like, how it started and then how it just, like, spiraled mm-hmm. into when she's in the hospital. They're, like... Uh-uh. <laughs> she's doing it like she's embarrassed. She knows her mom is seeing her doing this, but she still goes for like a third handful. Yeah. Of the cuz she needs to kill the thing in her. The uh the codif. Yeah, codif. Codif. Yeah. Yeah. Also totally off topic. Um <laughs> I've always wondered this. Why why are those uh italicized? I think it's to like I don't know. Why are uh, bacteria's <laughs> italicized. That's a good question. Let's, let's, uh, because abbreviations for restrictions are derived from the names of the organism, usually bacteria, from which they are isolated, they should be italicized. That doesn't really give me an answer, no, but okay. It you, ooh, I remember something. Okay. Something I made a note of. I... <laughs> The first interaction we see with her therapist, I made a note that for both her and her mom, it's it's the perfect example of someone helping but not being helpful, where they're doing the things and like, I get therapy is a process and it's probably a lot of the it's not helping her is a lot to do with her not sharing and her therapist like you. You need to, like, it's really hard to open up, but, like, you have to open up so that people can help you. Yeah. Especially, like, to your therapist. But, um, the whole, like, it was the, like, the parent who wants to help, but has absolutely no clue what to do and actually, in some cases, makes things worse. Was, I was like, ah, (laughs) no, not this again. (laughs) I've been through that. Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. But yeah, also, like, the whole therapy thing, like, she seems towards the, it seems towards the end, like, as she's getting into, I can't remember if I said this, I meant to say this, I liked how the writing kind of shifts when she's taking her meds every day, and her intrusive thoughts aren't as bad. Yeah. And you can tell, like, they're there, but they're not as bad, so, like, you can tell the medication is working, but, like, that's another thing about meds, people go, like, oh, you take, like, there are two sides of, like, people, neurotypical people talk about meds, like, Oh, it changes your brain. It's like, yeah, that's the point. Yeah. My brain is like a haunted house that never shuts down. I want it that to change. That is a great metaphor. <laughs> I know I stole that from somewhere. I don't remember where, but I know I heard it somewhere. And I was like, I like that. But the other one is um, the, like, 
it comes from the other side of like like the not wanting to like oh but like it fixes everything so you want to take it's like no it doesn't fix everything yeah it's it is very much like in a lot of it can be depending on the meds and like how you're acting it can be like it can feel like a band-aid patch like it's not fully working like you can kind of feel and you definitely or probably will feel like things still like they're struggling with and it's it'll make it more manageable but it won't go away and like a perfect example of that on a physical note uh is trichafta with cystic fibrosis mm-hmm. how it doesn't cure cystic fibrosis but it does help make the symptoms more manageable yeah thanks zach for keeping <laughs> us educated on cystic fibrosis <laughs> the um the other example i was thinking of for this was this is only gonna be relatable to certain people but like when you have really bad cramps and you take like the maximum amount of like ibuprofen and like you can tell your body is hurting more than it than you can currently feel and you can still feel it but like like you can get through the day but you can tell like your body is in a lot of, or like if you have like a sports injury and you take medication you can tell like okay my body is hurting i can't feel it but my body something happened and i am currently in pain it's those are the two like closest metaphors i can come to and like I loved how beautifully that was represented in this book. John Green, this is... Honestly, this is probably my favorite John Green book so far that I've read. And, like... It's funny how my favorite John Green book has shifted depending on where I am in my life. And, like... I've always loved... I've always been able to rely on John Green to have a book that matches my mental state. <laughs> Fair. And or, or, like, my mental, like, current, like... Path of, like, what I'm ready to, like read like I would not have been able to handle this like when I was um as this age or like even probably a few years ago but like this I like that we read we read this at like, the exact perfect time we did and yeah thank you John Green if you I'd I doubt like you mentioned this, that we read this at the exact perfect time which is after a, a book that we read that didn't do mental health as great yeah 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 john green thanks for being a good author um i I don't hear this you'll hear this john green but thank you i really appreciate you as a person um yeah if i have a favorite john green book it'd probably be fallen our stars still that's my favorite for a long time i i just i don't know this one it hit home not home but like i understood it and i liked it a lot Paper Towns, I genuinely don't remember a single thing that happened in that book. <laughs> or the movie. Besides the Black Santas. <laughs> That's it. Oh, yeah. But uh, Fault in Our Stars, I just remember reading in a literal day and crying for like 30 minutes before I had to go to color guard practice. Oh, no. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's all I've got. I think that's all I have too. Alright. Cool. Do you want us to read more John Green books? Do you have a favorite? Tell us over on our Instagram at t plus t underscore plus underscore good books and on our Twitter at t plus good book. Our next episode will be the beginning of the end of the beloved Shadow and Bone series. We will be reading Ruin and Rising by Lee Bardugo from chapter one to the end of chapter six. I'm Morgan. And I'm Emma. And that's the tea.
Can I help you? No. <laughs>